Tom's, Tom's taken notes. Some good stuff. <laughs> yeah, he's preparing for his giving talk later. Uh, 2 Samuel 23, 2, 23, 8 to 17. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Joshib Bashibeth. We've got a Joshi in the house. Uh, have you um, ever stood against 800 men? No. No. Well, Josh, this Joshi uh, stood against 800 men and killed them at one time. That's, that's pretty impressive. I would struggle hunting down March flies, uh, like one or two of them before they start eating me. Anyone been eaten by a March fly yet? I know, what is with that? It's January. Should be called summer flies, shouldn't they? Anyway, so this guy's killed 800. Um... I actually, uh, Judah, Tim, and Henry and I went for a walk this summer. It was a long walk. Judah put just over 50,000 steps in his little legs over two days. Um, and I actually squished two mosquitoes, one on either boy, and just lots of blood came out. So that's from two mosquitoes. Imagine 800 people. That's pretty disgusting, isn't it? Anyway, sorry, moving on. <clears throat> Uh, verse 9, oh, we might go to verse 13, because it's just a lot more of that kind of stuff. Um, but they're pretty impressive men. The three of the 30 chief men went down and came to David at harvest time at the cave of Adullam, uh, when a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephraim. David was then in the stronghold, and in the garrison, garrison of the Philistines was then at Bethlehem. And David said longingly, Oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem that is by the gate. Then the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and carried it and brought it to David, but he would not drink it. He poured it out to the Lord and said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of the men who went at the risk of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things the three mighty men did. It's a pretty impressive story and probably one that doesn't get much airplay because it's quite gruesome. But I actually saw this play out uh, just like an hour ago or, yeah, about an hour ago and they hadn't read my message yet. Um, but I saw Joshi, and I saw, I saw Ethan, and I saw Isaac, right? And sort of Zach was practicing before, and he longingly said, just to no one, he longingly said, oh, what I wish that I could have a halal snack pack. Oh, what I, what I wouldn't do. He even made some promises that I'm not going to share because that's between him and the people that bought it. And then Isaac heard his longing and he sent a message out to some, some boys and lo and behold, they broke through enemy lines, they did what they needed to do and they bought him a halal snack pack. These guys get it. They get it. This is what we're talking about, the longing. But anyway, these three mighty warriors in the Bible, it sounds like a bit of a hectic job. You know, David knew that they had gone to battle. This isn't just like going, getting a halal snack pack, coming back, having a grin on your face and going, we knew you wanted this. 
here it is. This is the well in Bethlehem that was guarded by the Palestines, right? And so these three mighty warriors didn't just like go and draw from the well and come back to David. They had to fight through the enemy lines. They had to fight their way through. They were pretty good. I mean, you can see their resume. They were pretty good. So they knew they could do this. But David saw them when they came back. Their armor would have been dented. There would have been bits of flesh hanging off them, probably. And they would have had sweat and all that kind of thing. And he was just like, what have you done? Just like um, Zach was like, man, what have you done? But times 1,000. And that was David's response. And he was just like, wow. Like, I was just suggesting that I wanted this, but you guys have gone and done this. And um, we'll unpack this throughout this message. But it sounds like a pretty hectic job that those three warriors had. I certainly wouldn't want that job. Um, There's some strange jobs out there. There are some pretty strange jobs. Like being a professional bridesmaid. Um, that's That's a pretty interesting job. Anyone been a bridesmaid? There's a few. Anyone would like to do that again, but for a complete stranger? No, I, I didn't think so. Um, what about a dog food tester? Anyone uh, like to be a dog food tester? No, haven't been eating your dog's bickies lately. What about a professional cuddler or a professional sleeper? Profe- oh, which one? Both. Toby wants to be both of those. You know, professional just means that you get paid for what you do. It doesn't mean you're any good at it. Um, I was on Bruny Island around my primary school years, and I don't know if you've been to Bruny Island. Anyone been to Bruny Island? A few of us? Okay, well, to get from, like, Hobart to Bruny, I mean, it's not Hobart, it's, like, Snug or Kettering. Kettering, that's it. Sounds good, doesn't it? I think of kettle chips. But anyway, to get to Kettering to Bruny Island, you need to get on a ferry. And this ferry, you can have cars that drive up on it and you stack really close. Anyway, we're in our car, family's in our car, we've already parked, we've done it many times before, and then our car sort of gets a jolt forward. Anyway, we look back and our guys just hit our car, no big problems. I remember, though, that Dad gets out and he's like, hey, mate, like, what's going on? And he's like, oh, don't worry, don't worry. Uh, I'm a professional driver, don't worry, I'm a professional driver. And then I remember Dad's response, and you'll remember Dad's response. He said, well, your professional driving just hit my car. And I was just like, well, that's it. Like, you know, what is it to be professional? And, um, I mean, I'm getting distracted already, like I'm talking about drivers hitting cars. But do you ever walk into a room and forget why you walked in there? Does anyone do that, or is it just me? Or on your phone, you're doing something important, and then you forget what you're doing? So you have to like double tap and see what tabs you had open or or something like that. Well, anyway, I get distracted all the time. And so um, a few weeks ago, probably four weeks ago, my wife's like, hey, you're going out on this big hike with the boys. You need a wide brim hat. And so I was like, okay, yeah. And she suggested Bunnings. So I was like, yes. Like when your wife is like, go to Bunnings, you know that you've got a good wife, don't you? Um, So I went to Bunnings dutifully and I took Judah with me. And uh, so anyway, I'm walking around, had a quick look for hats, but couldn't see any, couldn't see any hats, got a bit distracted, uh, and I actually came home with an inflatable boat. How good is that? And it's actually behind me on stage. It's the Condor 2000. How good is this? Like, um, the hat's just a prop. That's from, that's from Tim. I borrowed that. 
Um, so there you go, Seth, you can have that. But I bought the Condor 2000, and you can, you can sort of kind of get a bit of an idea of her surprise when I come back with this big grin on my face. She's like, how did you go? Did you get a hat? I was like, no, I didn't get a hat. I got an inflatable boat. And she's like, I don't know, it doesn't really, uh, it doesn't really correlate, does it, to the hat? But the point is that it's so easy to get distracted in life, isn't it? It's so easy to get sidetracked. It's so easy to buy the inflatable boat. It was only 1850, so that was probably part of it. It's a pretty good deal. You can, you can offer me some, some money for it later, and I can buy a hat. But it's so easy to get distracted in life and miss the whole point of it. When you spend time with the king, you discover what he longs for, don't you? When you spend time with the king, you discover what he's longing for. King David longed for a drink of water from the well, and his three mighty warriors went and got it. Now, I'm no expert in wells. I'm not a wellologist. I think that's probably the right term. I'm not sure what your title, your job title would be. I just know you'd have to be well qualified to do it. That's for you, Wayne. But this is the well of Bethlehem. This is David's hometown. David grew up in Bethlehem. He would have known the ins and the outs. He actually would have watered his dad's sheep from this well. This is significant. This is pretty cool. And I would actually kind of picture Mary riding in via donkey, stopping at the well, because it was at the front of the gate in Bethlehem, and that's where she was going to deliver our saviour. And so this well has significance. But David, while he is asking for water, he actually thirsts for the same thing that we do. He thirsts for the living water that satisfies. You see, we all have a thirst. And the problem is we often get distracted with that thirst. We often go to the wrong well. We often go to Bunnings and come back with the inflatable boat Or we go to the well of food. We go to the well of alcohol or clothing. We go too often to the well of work to get our meaning or relationships, the well of technology or pornography. You know the wells I'm talking about. I know these wells. Too often we are found drawing from these wells to try and satisfy our thirst. The ordinary things like work, school, uni, become the things we turn to to find meaning rather than the things we give to God and let him give us meaning. What does your king long for? This is a good question to ask yourself. Well, in Acts 1.8, it says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. You see, your king longs for you to be a witness. He longs for you to give him your life because he gave his life for yours. You will be my witnesses. You see, almost seven years ago, I started my own business. And I got this question in the early stages like quite regularly uh, because I left staff from here, actually, and started my own business. I, get, I got this question. Sam, what is it like to no longer be in full-time ministry? And I was just like, oh, that's an interesting question. And I sort of thought about it for a little while and was given, 
I think, something from God that just told me, no, 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 Sam, you haven't left full-time ministry. Your context of ministry has just changed. And I was encouraged by that. Door of Hope, undone, you don't need to be a full-time minister to minister to the people in your workplace, in your school, in your uni. You don't need to have a degree in theology. You don't need to have any of that. You just need the Spirit of God empowering you to be his witness. That's what you need. You have that. It's all here. Know what the king longs for. He longs for you, each and every one of us, to be his witnesses wherever we are, whatever we're doing. You see, seven years ago, I decided to start my own business. Not knowing where it would take me or what we were going to do, I had no clients. I just had a laptop and I had a little room at Door of Hope. And I remember planning a mission trip to India, taking some of the team, and I had this discouraging thought. It was like, Sam, how can you go to India and do mission in India if you're not seeing life change where you are? And I was like, oof, that's kind of challenging. But rather than letting it get me sort of depressed and stop doing India or stop doing work, I let it challenge me. I thought... That's right, I do need to pray for things happening here. I do need to pray for God's mission and his ministry and his kingdom to be advancing here where I am, what I'm doing in my work. So I started praying. And I remember the next day, I had an opportunity with one of our student interns. We're driving in the car, and he turns to me and he says, I just remember, he's like, hey, Sam, can you tell me the gospel? Can you tell me about this Jesus? because I think I need him. And I was like, yes, yes, you do. And so on that drive, he accepted Christ into his heart. And I just remember God saying, you are seeing the fruit. You are seeing my kingdom. Come here. You can go to India. So we've gone a couple of times. We stopped because of COVID. But we, we love taking in students <clears throat> at Think My Business. We love taking in students. And I remember this one student, she came from mainland China and spent 30 years in China and she comes in to work with us and she spoke great English. She was actually a professional translator. Doesn't mean she was any good, just meant she'd get paid for it, but she was actually quite good at it. Um, we, li- we loved her. Her name was, is Meow, so it was pretty easy to remember, you know, like the cats, and I love cats, don't I? Meow was her name, and anyway, I remember her first week she came and she said to us very openly, Sam, I feel my heart is hard because we're openly talking about Jesus and the gospel. She'd never heard the good news of Jesus before. Spent 30 years in China, never heard it. But anyway, she said, Sam, I feel my heart is hard and I can't accept this. I was like, wow, that's very profound and honest. Anyway, we journeyed with her through her 10 weeks of placement She moved to Hobart. Um, She then moved to Brisbane. And I get a call from her very quite recently. And she says, Sam, you're going to get a call probably this afternoon or tomorrow from someone um, asking you about me because I put your name on my resume and they're going to call you. I was like, oh, great. Usually you kind of ask permission first and then you expect the call. But anyway, that was fine because she's awesome. Um, And she starts talking. She's like, Sam, you know what? Ever since think I could never escape Christians. I was like, what do you mean by that? She's like, well, when I moved to Hobart, my housemate was Christian. 
and now I'm in Brisbane and my housemate's Christian. And she said, and I started going to church really regularly. And a couple of weeks ago, I gave my life to Christ. And I was like, yes. And then a couple of months ago, she sends me her baptism video. And it's just like, how awesome is this? God is moving in the workplace. And you might not think that you're making much difference, but just actually being yourself, just actually giving your ordinary things to God, being honest about your life, being honest about what gets you up in the morning. Hopefully he does. Hopefully the Holy Spirit is just prompting you to love people, to read his word. He does things in his own time. You see, it took 18 months for her heart to be softened so that she could receive the gospel. But she did. You know, your king longs for you to be his witnesses where you are, at work, school, home and uni. You might say, but Sam, I don't know how to. What if I fail? What if I say the wrong thing? How do I start? Well, you start by spending time with your king. When you spend time with your king, your fear is removed and your apathy is removed. Psalm 118.6 puts it this way. The Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? I love that. The three mighty warriors, they broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem. They probably had David's psalm in their mind as David was singing it. The Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? What were the three mighty warriors doing before they decided to break through enemy lines, you might say? Well, it's easy. They were spending time with their king in his presence. You see, when you spend time with the king, you gain strength. Hebrews 13, 8, 9 says this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace. How incredible is that? Your strength comes from God's grace. Everything Jesus touches changes from ordinary to anointed. Like Jesus talks to the fisherman and he's like, yo, fisherman, come here. I will touch what you're doing, change you from fisherman to fish your people, like fishing for men. I will show you how to fish for people. You know what? He wants the same thing for us. He wants to say, hey, I want to show you how to fish for people. I want to show you how to be my witnesses because your strength comes from his grace, not your own ideas, not those strange ideas that we have. So my challenge to you is to give your ordinary life to Jesus and watch him transform it. Watch him transform your workplace. Watch him transform your school, your uni, your mind, your heart, your actions. Watch him turn your shame into shouts of joy. Watch him turn your pain into peace. Your ordinary to anointed. You see, the king has a mission. Are you willing to go into battle and go behind enemy lines? See, Colossians 3, 23 to 24 says this, and the team's going to come up and play some anointed music so that this message is going to really sink into your heart. But it says this, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. 
you are serving the Lord Christ as you're working, as you're at school, as you're sending emails, as you're engaging with people around you. You're not serving your boss. You're not serving yourself. You're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And guess what? He gives you the strength to do it. His grace is your strength. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. At uni, you are serving Jesus. At work, you are serving Jesus. At school, you are serving Jesus. At home, you are serving Jesus. You see, the king has a mission for each and every one of us. Are you willing to spend the time with him? Are you willing to go behind enemy lines to get the thing that he longs for? For our hearts. He longs for our hearts. He longs for the hearts of your friends, your neighbours. You see, everything Jesus touches turns from ordinary to anointed. We just need to give ourselves to Jesus. Your thoughts, your work, your burdens, your doubts. Jesus wants your ordinary, your everyday, regular, natural life so he can do the supernatural, so he can get the glory and he wants you to be part of it. Will you give it to him? Will you make room for Jesus?